0: Hey, welcome to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amid Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. <laughs> and today, we have what I would argue is some of the most monumental and game-changing news in the history of basically gaming as we know it. And that would be what the inside of a Fall Guy looks like. <laughs> uh <laughs> Apparently they're Lovecraftian eldritch horror abominations. They're birds. Um, But yeah, no, seriously, uh, the Bethesda buyout, that is something I never would have guessed in a million years. Something I never even thought possible for a company to just buy an entire publisher. So 8 Plus Studios just got added to Microsoft's already... You know, very illustrious list of studios. I also I mean, want to point out that that's seven point five billion. Yeah, they made the purchase for seven point five billion, they paid which is $7 like seven point five billion for Skyrim. <laughs> for Skyrim, yeah, but but like that's significantly more than what Disney paid for Star Wars. That's just. It's huge. The, the, we, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it in the gaming industry before, and I do not think it is the last time we will see it either. I think, and obviously we could talk about all the implications of this and everything, but I think this will sort of open Pandora's box, so to speak. But yeah, let's get everyone's quick thoughts first.
1: Yeah, I certainly don't think that this is where they stop. I think I think they're going to do at least one more shocking purchase before, yes. probably before the the... Xbox even releases. Wow,
0: that soon? You think so?
1: Yeah, that's my prediction.
0: Yeah. And you know, Mike, you being the sort of Bethesda expert, what if you what what do you make of all of this? I mean, Todd Howard did it again. First of all, <laughs>
2: did what? He, he sold, sold Skyrim again. Oh yeah. <laughs> this time <laughs> for the Skyrim. ultimate yeah. sub. Uh, joking aside, maybe well Bethesda. Based on all that I've seen, Bethesda's going to have full independence and in what they do, and all contracts are going to be honored. So yeah, I feel like it's just going to be Bethesda with more money, which could be which good, you, could Which be is bad. a
0: very—I think that's a very potentially powerful thing. Now, we have ragged on Bethesda before on this show, right? Like, we—and I, I do think that's somewhat, so. somewhat warranted, right? Like, I think Bethesda Softworks in particular peaked with Skyrim, right? Like, Fallout 4 was— okay at best and fallout 76 was a mediocre disappointment by any metric right but you know some of bethesda the publishers some of their studios under them like you know id software and and arcane those are very sort of reputable studios with a solid output i th- i would argue that microsoft's acquisition of those studios is probably the strongest part of this purchase at least for now
1: yeah the idea of doom but with a ball and budget like I mean, not that Doom didn't already have an insane budget, but, like, imagine the next Doom game, except it has the budget that Halo Infinite
0: has seemingly
1: squandered.
0: (laughs) A quadruple A budget, if you will. Uh, Apparently that's going to be a thing now, which I really just, that's ugh. But, like, that's going to be a term going forward. But, yeah, I I mean, so I think the big question in the room, obviously, like... This is a huge, huge win for Microsoft and like a pretty devastating blow to the competition, right? Like, all future Elder Scrolls games, Starfield, Fallout games, uh, Doom titles, you know, Prey titles, Dishonored, like, all of these games are presumably Xbox exclusive now. But I will say that we haven't gotten confirmation one way or another. You know, like, logic dictates that, like, yes, these games are going to be exclusive to Xbox. But part of me still feels like maybe they won't be. I
1: I think that there is no way. That is the entire value of this acquisition, is to make
0: exclusives. I'm with you, Connor. But at the same time, I think like what Mike mentioned in our chat, leaving the money on the table, they're essentially cutting their user base in half. That's nonsense, though, because if that was a valid argument,
1: Uncharted would be a multi-plat game. Like, if that made any sense, then all these huge heavy hitters on PlayStation would all be multi-plats.
0: That's true. But Bethesda that, already that, had that an established audience on PlayStation, yeah. you know? Uncharted yeah, but if doesn't you, if you honestly
1: it. think Uncharted doesn't have an established, like, it wouldn't sell gangbusters if it came to Xbox. Like, oh, it,
0: t- it totally would. But, like, I'm saying yeah. that, like... I don't know. I, I do think there's something to that. I obviously think most likely, yes, they will be Xbox c- exclusive. If I was somehow put in charge of Microsoft, like, tomorrow, they would 100% never be on a PlayStation platform again. Because I think there's way too much value in just associating those titles with your brand, right? Yeah. But, but you know, like, I wish they'd just come out and clarify it because, like, I feel like that question is still lingering, even though it should be obvious. Like, I I just feel like it needs being said. I mean, I'm just going to say it it is
1: obvious, and they're going to be exclusive. I I don't think that's lingering at all. I think they would be out of their minds to not make these games exclusive.
0: But, you know, like, okay, so I'm just strictly playing devil's advocate here. What if they go to Sony and are like, okay, hey, pay us a premium, and then we'll allow you to put, you know, Elder Scrolls Six on your platform order. Or, hey let us put game pass on ps5 and then you can get access to these titles too like obviously like i think that conversation will happen in in the next several years but like could you ever see sony bending to that i don't think so but like i feel like we're entering a very unprecedented era in gaming like gaming i think will change in the next 5 years or so more than it has in the past 10 or 15 yeah, I think that's fair. So, um, and, and one important thing to note, uh, kind of like the live service type games, you know, like Elder Scrolls Online and Fallout 76, those will still stay on all the platforms they're on. So, And, and I think that makes sense from a business perspective, too. Like, games that are sort of more games-as-a-service-y slash MMOs, like, the revenue gener- generated, like, over time for those kind of games... That, that makes more sense for me to, for, for those to be on other platforms.
1: I also just think it, it would be a massive mistake to take games away from someone.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, taking games away from others is contrary to Microsoft's whole philosophy right now. Like, yeah. their whole thing right now, especially with Game Pass, is like getting gaming in the hands of everyone for the cheapest amount of money possible. And I do think Microsoft's end game is Game Pass will be everywhere including Nintendo systems including Sony systems. That's their end game including, you know, iOS, Android. It's already on Android, right? Like but, you know, they're having some hurdles with iOS with Apple's like stringent policies that they're trying to get around. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Microsoft is trying to
2: abandon the oh, this is a platform exclusive arguments that they've held for decades, yeah, decades now. Yeah, and I mean, going into a new era of let's get our games on as many platforms as possible, but control how people can buy them.
0: But, you know, the funny thing is, you know, like this is sort of like a new chapter for Xbox, right? This mentality. But if you think about it, that's been Microsoft, like Microsoft, the company's MO forever. They've always been a software company, like always. Right. Like, yeah, software and- is their thing. And that's kind of being taken to the next level with their video game business now. Yeah, historically, their hardware sense.
1: has been fairly lame.
0: And I think that's... That that really distinguishes Microsoft from Nintendo and Sony, because Nintendo and Sony, like, obviously, like, software has grown in importance over the years, but, like, I would still argue hardware is very important to Sony and Nintendo still, but not at all for Microsoft. Like, Microsoft, I think Microsoft's endgame is to just be Game Pass. Right? Like... If you could just install the Game Pass app on your smart TV, like, that's Microsoft's end goal, right? Like, eventually there will be no Xbox, I think. I,
1: yeah, I think that's, I think maybe. I don't yeah. know. That's that's tough to say
0: with any certainty. Especially with, you know, like, xCloud becoming more of a thing. And you posted, what was that software that Bethesda developed? Uh, Uh, Orion,
1: that's huge for XCloud. Yeah, I think that that is a large part of why they bought Zenimax. I think Zenimax would not give them exclusivity on Orion. Could you explain what
0: Orion is?
1: Orion is essentially this is developed by idTech and it's the uh, they they showed it at uh, E3 last year, I think. When whenever Stadia was getting like super touted and everything, because Orion is used in Stadia, I believe. But um. It's a, a game streaming, uh, I don't even know how to put it. it, it's something that you add to the games themselves, and it's capable of 4K60 next to zero latency, like the game they demonstrated it with was Doom 2016, which, and the gameplay was stunning, and that's not a game you can play with any latency at all.
0: Right. Yeah, I definitely think they'll, you know, pull tech from Orion into, into xCloud to make it even more potent. So yeah, I do I do think that's in a <clears throat> definitely a huge plus, but I think, you know, like definitely I think the biggest get for Microsoft is this point at this point is exclusivity to Elder Scrolls Six. Like the Elder Scrolls Six, like we, we meme and joke about Skyrim and, and rightfully so, right? It is kind of a meme at this point, but Skyrim is massive, right? Like the sequel to Skyrim will be a monumental game. Yeah. And I think, like, and and you you said as much in the chat, Connor, like, this will pull, 100% will pull people away uh, from PlayStation to Xbox. Now, will it, like, be enough to shift the tide completely for next generation? Who knows? Personally, I feel like right now it's more even than it has ever been. Like, this is 360 PS3 levels of, like, head-to-head competition going into next gen, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, sorry, I was getting into my rocket, but uh, I totally agree. Uh, I, I really think, and, and I'm fairly happy about it, but I, I think that uh, Xbox actually has a shot at uh, quote-unquote winning this gen, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm I, not convinced... I, I've seen a lot of people saying that, like, hey, you know, Microsoft's not competing with Sony anymore. <laughs> like, they're competing with, like, they're, they're looking 10 years into the future when their competitors are Google and Amazon.
0: Yeah, and I think we, we alluded to that last episode, too, and how, like, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo are all sort of diverging under their own paths, right? And, like, it, like it's so tough to even say at this point, like, how do you gauge a winner for the generation? Because before, we'd always gauge it based off of number of consoles sold, Right, and obviously, like software sales would factor into that, but like at this point, like console sales don't really mean anything, especially for, you know, I mean, they do for PlayStation, Nintendo, but not for Microsoft. Not anymore. They're they're pivoting to firmly focus on uh software, and but that's not to say, you know, like so since the last time we recorded, both the pre-orders for Xbox series x slash s and ps5 went live and they all sold out so obviously there's still a huge demand for these consoles um and you know taking into account that this is just the launch allocation and there wasn't probably wasn't too much stock to begin with but nevertheless you know like still these things sold out and they like broke best buy and like there was a huge fervor over the internet for these consoles so i don't think the consoles are going to be irrelevant tomorrow but 10 years maybe you know yeah, I, I
1: still, I don't know, I'm, it'll be hard to ever separate me from my console slash PC. It'll be hard to ever separate me from my hardware, but...
0: Right, and I, I mean, I love the fact that cloud gaming will bring gaming to everyone ostensibly, right? But for me, right, like, I'm very hesitant to be like, okay, like, all the games I will interact with now are just things that I, you know, borrow from like a cloud provider and play you know like i like having my hardware i like having my games and you know for people who just want to get into gaming i think the whole cloud side of things is a, is a tremendous opportunity but for the us who are already there it's kind of less so i think at least that's how i feel yeah i agree with that
1: i i certainly care i i love cloud gaming i've been um Kind of on the ground floor of cloud gaming, uh, in my opinion. Like, I I had an OnLive account. I don't know how many people remember OnLive. No. That was, like, the first cloud gaming platform.
0: Mm.
1: And I was absolutely in on that. I, I thought it was awesome. I wanted to be able to play my games from my phone. Like, I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, It didn't really work out. OnLive ended up not being it. You
0: know, uh, know. as usual, the first solutions aren't it. You know, like, it takes iteration.
1: Just to give you an idea of what, like, the impact of OnLive was, they got bought by Sony.
0: Yeah, okay. As an aside, uh, though, I was just going to say, looking at our video, which, by the way, I forgot to mention at the beginning, but if you are listening to this, there's also going to be a video component of us playing Kerbal Space Program, but we just launched ourselves into space it looks like yeah something's wrong
1: with the video on my uh like uh, you can't <laughs> see the thrusters but there are thrusters
0: firing on this spaceship it's gonna say then like this thing must oh. be outfitted with like oh that's not good well yeah we, we might not be going to space today uh-oh <laughs> ripped the crew i
1: might but be yeah. able to save it it's been a while since i played this game
0: so bear with me all right best of luck but yeah, like just going back to the Bethesda thing, like I think it's from from strictly the perspective of an entire publisher just got bought. Like just extrapolating that out, you know, 15, 10 years into the future, like are we going to reach the point where the industry consolidates and like you know, at the when the dust settles, we have like five major game companies that own basically everything. I hope that isn't the case.
1: Yeah, I sincerely doubt it, largely because if that happens, suddenly we're looking uh, uh, at—gaming is going to be looking at trust-busting.
0: Right, yeah. And I don't think we're anywhere near that point yet, but it just—you know, this could be, like, the first step on the very long road to that point. And I do think, you know, like, I do think—I mean— Satya Nadella CEO of Microsoft straight up came out and said that we are going to buy more studios like this like yes so, and you've and obviously Microsoft' you know Microsoft's if, if we're just comparing Microsoft and Sony for a second Microsoft is gargantuan compared to Sony right their gaming divisions may be similar in terms of you know scope and money or whatever but Microsoft as a whole is like, uh valuated it over they their market cap is like 1.3 trillion or something and sony's is like 100 billion right so microsoft is massive and they have the resources to make purchases like this like i thought i saw uh, of of just the spare cash they have on hand like this this 7.5 billion purchase was just like four percent of the cash they have on hand which is just you know it's just stupid (laughs) Right. Yeah. So they, they can afford to do this a couple more times. But the thing is, obviously, you know, like moves like this shake the industry and everyone will respond in one way or another. And I'm eager to see what the response from Sony is. I do think we could see a similar purchase from them. Obviously, it would be a much larger slice of the pie than just four percent of their of their cash. Right. But they I mean, had so, Sony's they a had lot bigger capability. than just their
1: gaming division as well. That's yeah. true,
0: but I believe I think gaming is Sony's biggest division, but and that is not the case for Microsoft at all. Okay, I did not know that
1: um, but, about Sony. I knew that it was the biggest for Microsoft, or well, uh, not not even close for right. Microsoft.
0: But I, I do believe a big, uh, gaming is the biggest for Sony, but I was just going to say, like, I think we might see something similar. Obviously not as big as Bethesda, right? Like, I don't think they'll buy a Bethesda-level publisher, but I think we might see something similar from Sony soon. And that just uh, kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't know. Like, I don't
2: I don't know want if to I'm a big Disney. fan.
0: Like, obviously, it's huge for Xbox fans that they have these exclusives now. Like, that's that's a huge, huge deal. But I don't like the, the idea of, like, all third parties just flocking to either Sony or Microsoft and aligning with them. You know, like...
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard because, like, part of me wants to be excited as an avid Game Pass user that I... Right. I was not going to buy the next Elder Scrolls game. Now, you're telling me, I 100% will get to play it anyway. Like, <laughs> like
0: And that's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah. And obviously, right, like, yeah. Game Pass, you know, we, like, the subscription model, obviously, in the short term, doesn't make sense. Like, they're definitely losing money on Game Pass right now. But you know we've seen the Netflix model work. Like, look at what Nef- when Netflix started out, it just had a you know a collection of shows and uh, movies that other people made on their service, right? And now look at all the Netflix originals coming out. Netflix is pumping out high quality shows and okay, movies of their
1: own. They're pumping out chosen movies. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. The quality I, of
0: those depends largely. It, it varies, but I've seen some incredible Netflix original shows. Like, I just finished watching Dark, which is, like, a German-produced Netflix original, and it was one of the most incredible, like, sci-fi time-based shows I've ever seen. So, I don't know. point is, like, Game Pass is eventually going to grow to the point where, like, yes, it does make sense financially, but right now they're just sort of in the mode of getting into as many people's hands as possible. And this Bethesda purchase will put Game Pass into a lot more people's hands.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I, yeah, I, I think it's just, I, I, so, what I think, monopolistic practices are bad for the industry, and PlayStation was rapidly approaching, like, you know, they, they've owned gaming, you know, they... Uh, not counting Nintendo, because the Switch is selling gangbusters.
0: But well, like, I, I think yes, that statement is true for this gener for the PS4, Xbox One generation for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think that this is a step for Microsoft to actually have a a fair fight with Sony. And yeah. Like that, arguably, is busting Sony's monopoly. But also, exclusives are bad. It's it's kind of hard to
0: say. It's a complex situation, but at the end of the day, I do think that the fact that Microsoft has so much firepower now, I think as consumers, like I think, okay, so I'm of two minds. One mind says you should be kind of disappointed, right? If you only own a PlayStation, you're probably not going to see any Bethesda games ever again. But two, you should be excited because a move this big means the gaming industry will evolve. And a strong Microsoft means, you know a competitive Sony, right? Like, the more these two compete with each other, the better for the consumers, I think. Like, we're going to see some crazy things now that I don't think we would have seen if Microsoft hadn't made this purchase, both from Microsoft and from Sony. Yeah, I agree with that, for
1: sure. They're they're definitely lighting a fire
0: under Sony. Yeah, and, you know, like, I go back to Phil Spencer, and I forget which E3 it was, maybe it was a year ago or two, but he said that Xbox is committed to creating an industry leading studio like portfolio of studios in for gaming and you know like it's crazy cuz like 2 years ago like they had less first party studios than sony but now they have significantly more and they have several Bethesda or Zenimax studios under their belt as well and i think it's fascinating to see the the head to head now going into next gen like we're going to get quality first party titles on both systems now which yeah you know like obviously there were some on xbox one none that really appealed to me but there were some on xbox one but like when that next elder scrolls game comes out if i don't have a series x i'm getting a series x like that's happening for sure
1: yeah yeah and that's just huge for microsoft i uh I just It's so huge for PC, too. Because to have... It is yeah. strange for Doom... like You know, it's also had a long relationship with uh, Microsoft. You know, porting Doom to Windows was a big deal back in the day. And, uh, you know, now, obviously, you know, they're owning them. <laughs> like, that's insane.
0: Yeah, and another fun tidbit is now... <laughs> Obsidian and Bethesda are kind of like sister studios, oh. so Obsidian oh. could potentially get Fallout again, which is you just insane. Come on. Yeah, which you know, like that—that's a huge deal for Fallout fa- fans. Yeah, and I, I i do think that. I think Bethesda, like Bethesda themselves, like I think, do need some intervention to kind of stop this downward slope they're on, and I think Microsoft might provide that. Um. Uh, Hopefully, right? Like, I think Phil Spencer said in a recent interview that, like, you will see some changes at Bethesda, but, like, by and large, they'll still kind of be doing their own thing. I think that's the right amount. Like, you don't want to take full control or just let them do what they were doing before because nothing will change then. But, like, a little, you know, extra money here or there, like, project management here or there, I think that could go a long way.
1: Yeah, I I think... A leadership shakeup in Bethesda would not be a bad thing because I I, I really think a lot of Zenimax though, like, because it just Zenimax like does a lot of mobile games. Like that's
2: what I thought of them as before. I mean, Zenimax is just Bethesda's holding company. Like they're still Bethesda.
1: Yeah, but they definitely like. So, so would would you say that the blame falls on Bethesda for all the like? scumminess that they've yeah, done yeah it's largely
2: I think bethesda. so yeah zenimax yeah. <laughs> has really no corporate bearing other than just being there to keep bethesda independent okay and own other companies
1: because yeah like i i don't see i mean i guess there's some of it sea of thieves has a lot of microtransactiony stuff but like none of it's nearly as predatory as like
2: can we talk about how bethesda was technically an indie studio
1: Eh, yeah, so is so is the studio that made Fall Guys and they ha- they have over 100 employees. I don't really feel like indie means anything anymore, which kind of sucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the traditional definition is like, you know, like, you know, a group of like maybe like under 10 people making a game together or something like that, right? Like once you reach the levels of like Bethesda like, once you reach, like, over 100 employees, I feel like that's kind of... Or even, like, over, like, 20 employees, you know?
1: It's yeah, kinda, like, look at Among Us. That's a game made by three dudes.
0: I thought Among Us would, was made by one guy.
1: Nah, I think it's three. Could be wrong. Pretty sure it's three, though. Yeah,
0: I, I would have to check on that. But, you know... But anyway, like... The fact that... I don't know. The, the fact that, like... Obviously or elder scrolls right and uh, starfield coming to xbox is huge but i will say again and just to be a sort of sort of bearish on this because obviously this is huge news for microsoft but just to sort of look at it from another perspective i think starfield is probably like a 2022 game right and i could see elder scrolls 6 coming out at the end of this next generation like straight up because like i don't think they started on elder scrolls 6 yet because Starfield, they said they would work on Elder Scrolls Six after Starfield, right? So, like, these are important, this is an important purchase for those games as investments for the future, right? But, like, when will we see those games? It, Yeah, it's going to be a while. I See, I don't, I'm not
1: even, like, up on Bethesda at all. What I, you know, what I saw in this was Prey and Doom, what I saw in this deal, you know?
0: Yeah, and I I, I And now's look-
2: a good excuse to play Prey.
0: I, yes. I do want to touch on Arcane for a minute because I think Arcane's a fabulously talented studio that does not get the sales they deserve, right? But I think with where I think Microsoft can really help out with that sort of marketing their games, right, and stuff like that. Because I think like Prey and Dishonored, like those are fantastic games, but they never sold well at all. Yeah,
2: it's because of the genre that they're in immersive sims have never historically sold
0: gangbusters but that's the thing like i feel like but they're good games though and i feel like they are good as long as you can express that the correct way they will sell and i think that like a marketing marketing team like microsoft coming in and fixing that problem could could really result in arcane blowing up because you got to remember deus ex also didn't sell well did it not uh mankind divided
2: did not it was didn't sell well enough for them to make another game unfortunately so it's just kind of died i had no idea uh just an update
1: on our kerbal space program adventure we are now orbiting the moon
0: congrats it really Uh, didn't look like it was going to happen there for a second but we did it. yeah we're looking
1: bad on getting home afterwards fuel wise (laughs) but uh You know that's what happens when you don't play this game for two years and then hop in and
0: try to land on the moon. Well, at least we got to the moon. I feel like that's a pretty good big accomplishment. Yeah. But yeah, I think in general, I think ID and Arcane will sort of, you know, uh, return the investment in the short term, while we wait for the big guns from Bethesda proper, right? Like while we wait for starfield and elder scrolls it's just that i hope starfield and elder scrolls actually deliver like like e- even if they deliver or not they're going to sell gangbusters but i hope they're like a kind of like a return to form for bethesda because i think the main th- problem i had with bethesda's recent output was that it just seemed like they were complacent right fallout 4 was basically just fallout 3 it did not evolve fallout in any meaningful no, way. no it was like a worse fallout 3 right but like of it. in Fallout 76 I don't even want to get into that right but I feel like you know like I think this is their chance to sort of take that next step and evolve and I do think Todd Howard came out and said that like they've made their biggest revisions to their engine since uh, Morrowind or something or since Oblivion so I think that's kind of promising but you know I think Bethesda shockingly has to prove themselves again which you know if you had told me that 10 years ago I never would have believed you but like I think we're here now especially with companies like CD Project Red and even Ubisoft showing what they can really do with like RPGs. Uh, yeah. But yeah, what a what a monumental seismic event in the gaming industry. Like I don't think I've seen anything like this before. I I actually, like, just out of curiosity, I looked up, like, the biggest gaming deals, and this is actually the second biggest gaming-related deal. You guys want to guess who was involved in the first biggest? Who? Who? Tencent.
1: Ah, that tracks.
0: Yeah. And one final aspect of this, I kind of—it's tangentially related, but I do think it bears mentioning— Microsoft has this massive war chest, right, of, of cash they could potentially use, right? Obviously, they don't want to spend it all on gaming, right, because they have other much more important businesses to them. But, you know, like as we've seen, oh. Phil Spencer got a hold of 7.5 Bill, and he could probably get a hold of more. Are we, are we crashing here? <laughs> <Yep. laughs>
1: oh. Been a while. Got a little Rip. too close to the moon. Rip. Going for a second descent. I I did a quick save because I, I
0: figured that might happen. <laughs> okay, but what I'm getting at is, obviously Microsoft is one of the biggest company in the world. Companies in the world, companies like Apple, companies like Amazon, they have the same sort of ability to just in the snap of their fingers get into gaming just like that. You know, like what if Apple say buys Activision? Right. Like suddenly the whole game changes and suddenly Apple is a major player along with Microsoft and Sony. I feel like something like this could easily happen. I feel like, you know, like obviously Amazon and Apple have made stabs at gaming in the past, but haven't really committed the way Microsoft and Sony have. Right. Yeah. I think Uh, Apple play was a pretty significant stab
1: by Apple. The uh, the subscription service on iPhone.
0: I agree. But I do feel like if they were actually committed, they could make a purchase of this scale or potentially far bigger if they wanted to. And then suddenly be a major player. Yeah. Like, And I think we could see that happening in the next decade. Uh, Would not surprise me.
2: It would not surprise me either, honestly.
0: And I don't know, like... It's kind of scary, right? Like especially considering that like Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, those are names we know, names we trust, and names that have delivered in the past, right? So that's why we can continue to trust them. Like even with Microsoft buying Bethesda, like like one of my thoughts was like thank god it wasn't, you know, Apple buying Bethesda or something like that. But like with Amazon and Apple, like I'm sure at some point they will make a big play, and I just kind of worry for whoever they buy. Like I hope they don't bungle it. Because I feel like experience in the gaming industry does go a long way. But uh, we shall see. I don't know. Yeah, have, I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I wonder when Disney makes a play. Yeah, Disney, too. You know, like, that's... Well, I, I don't know. I, I think Disney has been sort of content to partner with, uh, you know, uh, third-party companies and first-party companies alike. You know, like, they gave... Spider-Man to Insomniac, and they gave no. Disney doesn't own Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, that's Sony right now. Sony has all the I I totally forgot about that. Yeah,
0: but they no, like I mean, like they've they've done things like they've given you know Iron Man (sighs) to Sony as well for Iron Man VR. They've given Avengers to Crystal Dynamics. Like Disney, I think Disney is comfortable in like a partnering capacity, right? I don't. Like, I feel like Disney, if they wanted to, they could easily, like, make their own game studio, hire a bunch of talent, and start making Marvel games. Like, they could easily do that, but they haven't yet. Yeah. Same with Star Wars, right? They're they're, is making Star Wars games, like Disney owns Star Wars, so. They could, you know, like, obviously that would be a very powerful studio if they created, like, sorry, excuse me. If they created, like, a studio for Star Wars and a studio for Marvel, like, those would be... Major players instantly, right? Considering they get the proper talent to make those games, but I, I, I think for now at least, it, they think it makes more sense for them to, to outsource those the development of those games, to licensing those IPs out to other other creators. Yeah, and D- Disney's kind of been a powerhouse
1: in gaming before. I mean, uh, you have to look pretty far back, but yeah. they had some killer NES and SNES games. Like Ducktales and stuff; those are remembered as extremely strong NES mm-hmm. games, and a library that, let's be honest, you know, wasn't perfect. I love the NES, but you know, I'll be the first to say, you know, it, it wasn't. They
0: weren't all hits. Well, yeah, I mean that that's a separate discussion entirely, but yeah. But yeah, do you guys have any any other thoughts on this this Bethesda buyout? That's I, f- I feel like we hit all the bases, but like, there's just so there's so much to absorb with this news, you know, like so many implications that you have to consider. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: a new era for gaming.
0: Yeah, honestly, for sure. Like it's it, it's big enough to actually change everything, <laughs> which is which is crazy to say this far into the industry that like a move like this can just. Shift the landscape so much, but here we are. We have Touchdown. Oh, nice. We are on the moon.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I just... I, I really think that, Orion. Because I think you're right. There's a possibility that Sony is going to, like, pay to not give Microsoft those... Or to, you know, pay to get those exclusives on PlayStation as well. But I... I think it is quite likely that Orion is going to be a game changer.
0: Yeah, and that's I think we'll we'll, we'll see the fruits of that, you know, it obviously will take several years to to get XCloud and Orion fully integrated. If that even is their plan, we're just sort of presuming that, but Little your little spaceman is pretty cute. I am running not running I don't think
1: we're presuming that. I think that's definite.
0: Well, I, I only say presume because they haven't come out and said it, right?
1: I but, Did you read that article I sent earlier? Because I thought that they had said that they were integrating it, but
0: I didn't read super close. Yeah, I, I just skimmed it, so I might have missed it as well. But, you know, like, common sense tells us they probably will. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about one other thing today. And it's crazy to me that... Obviously, this Bethesda news was so massive; it sort of eclipsed everything, even the PlayStation Five showcase that yeah. happened since the last time we talked, right? So the, and 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 we got the, you know, obviously pre-orders went live, price was released, and pre-orders sold out. But like, I just wanted to t- touch on the price for a minute: five hundred dollars, or rather four ninety nine for the PlayStation Five, three ninety nine for the PlayStation uh, Five digital edition. I just want to say, that I think we kind of nailed it. I think we, we accurately predicted the prices of all four of these next-gen boxes.
1: Yeah, although I, I would say that I don't think that it was particularly difficult to nail that, but yeah. No, I, I, I
0: don't. Like, there was some... Cons- Remember, we we sort of floated the hypothetical that, like, maybe these next-gen boxes are, like, way more expensive than anyone was thinking? Yeah, and 800, like, yeah. And, 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 you know, like, obviously that seems really silly and stupid now, but, like, if you think about it, like, it's still not that crazy. Like, the value you're getting for all of these boxes is insane. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the this is the best value proposition at a console launch, I think, pretty much ever. In terms of just, like, the, the power you're getting in the boxes.
1: Yeah, I keep talking about how I'm probably building a new PC uh, as my next-gen device. That PC is going to cost me, like, $1,200 minimum. And I, it's going to be better than the new consoles, but, like... Not by, like, a landslide. Like, it's not going to be, like... It's not going to be, like, last time. Like, my PC that I use now, I built before the PS4 came out, and it's still... Actually, I built it, like, halfway through the 360 PS3 cycle, like, around there, and it's still, like, blowing the the ps4 and the xbox run right. away that's not going to happen this time i don't yeah, think there, you
0: know? there's no way on god's green earth you can spend five hundred dollars and build a machine that's stronger than an xbox or series x or a ps5 there's it's just no, not possible there's no way yeah
1: now uh have you guys seen the uh the rumors that the series s is going to be holding back this
0: gen that's I don't know if that's a rumor so much as that people sort of speculating on that, right? Just due to the, the reduced GPU power.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I've seen some people saying that the developers are saying that, and, you know, those are the people I'm inclined to trust. But, okay, yeah. Uh, I can't cite a source. I'm not, you know, I'm a sh- terrible journalist.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, well, with Microsoft's whole f- philosophy, right, they want everything that runs on Series X and Series S to also run on Xbox One, right? Is, isn't is that where they're going? Isn't that what they said? I might be wrong. Uh, Yes. Everything that
1: runs on Series X will run on Series S.
0: Uh, No, no, no. That's a given, right? But but, uh, but will also run on Xbox One.
1: Oh, I doubt that'll last the entire gen. I think that's right now. If that lasts the entire gen, that's going to kneecap the next gen harder than anything. If they, if they have to target the one S...
0: Yeah, that would that would be kind of devastating, honestly. Like that would be a big problem. It, I don't yeah. think it's as big of a problem for the Series S because with the Series S, the series like we, S, you at we least talked have about, like this last episode, you have the NVMe SSD. Yeah, That's every, the, everything is the same except for the GPU power. Right. So that should be scalable in theory. I mean, yeah, it should just
1: like the idea that if you can run it in 4K on the one or on the Series X, you can run it in 1080p to 1440p on the. Series S, that all makes sense in my head, but, like, I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, the Series S, I just don't know how to feel about Microsoft anymore. Hey guys, like, well, how do you mean? It just feels weird because they're doing the complete opposite of what's been doing, been going on for the last, uh, what console gen are we on? Eight? Nine ends
0: Nine. Or, this upcoming one is nine.
2: Yeah, like, nine generations of consoles, and this is the first time we've said, they straight up said, oh yeah, we'll all these games will run on this as well, for the foreseeable future. Rather
0: than, yeah. you just expect longevity. I mean, I do understand the concern, right? Like, Series S is clearly the weakest machine, right? And, like, there is a fear that, like, the potential next-gen won't be realized uh, fully because of that, right? And I think I mean, I think we're going to see the same thing we always see. Like, third-party games will target all sorts of different, you know, setups and builds and, like, resolutions, etc. Whereas first-party games will be completely optimized for that box, right? Um, first-party games will be optimized for PS5, and for on the Xbox side will be optimized for the Series S and X. So I think... I don't think it's we're going to see anything... Too drastically different from what we, we've been seeing. Like, if people are worried about, like, graphics and stuff like that, like, I think the most interesting adva- advancement uh, this generation is the standardization of the SSD as well as the increased CPU. It, more so, even the increased CPU. I think that's probably the biggest one, right? And, like, the Series S has that same CPU. So, I think we'll be fine. You guys still there?
2: Yeah, this generation's going to be kooky because we've officially reached the point where it's just pcs everything that's running is running the same hardware as say a pc would be i mean we kind of
0: reached that point at the beginning of this generation with the xbox one and the ps4 right yeah
2: we we reached it sort of but now it's we a lot of people just speculated man maybe this might be the last console
0: gen and then next gen comes out okay but here's the thing like every single generation People say, "Oh, this might be the last yeah, console." Yeah, this might then. be the last right, console like, gen, but it's never the last
2: console gen yeah. because consoles are not going away as long as people see I will, inherent I will say, value in them.
0: At the end of the PS three three sixty era, I I think that was the most valid time to have that concern because mobile gaming was just taking off, and like people were like, "I don't know," like especially like looking at the trends in Japan, people are way more interested in mobile game than console games. Like I feel like console games are kind of irrelevant at this point, and then PS four you know ps4 for the most part but then xbox one later in the gen just totally shattered everyone's expectations of that people right? like,
2: people had very high expectations for mobile games and they really yeah. went nowhere now you look at mobile games now and it's just a bunch of like predatory microtransaction gotcha games
0: and you see, you see like those microtransaction, think- microtransaction games like the the reason that people took mobile gaming so seriously at the time was because you know like you look at the financials from those microtransaction based games and you're like oh my god like those It'd make even, so much money, like, but the, the those same microtransaction practices then got applied to next gen, you know, PS4, Xbox One games. So I guess that philosophy never really went anywhere. And those next gen, like PS3,
2: Xbox, or PS4, Xbox three, uh, One games, never really went anywhere with those microtransactions because people realized that were stupid.
0: Like, yeah, I, I feel like people sort of—it's kind of impressive, right? People kind of woke up to it and really kind of shoot it away to an extent yeah. right like it's definitely not as bad as it could have been i think i oh, think we have Fr- star wars battlefront 2 really was the straw that broke the camel's back on that one we realized that man we really can't have a microtransaction
2: system in a pay a 60 game that gives you benefits in multiplayer
0: just want to really quick check in with connor because i feel like he's not here
1: yeah, I've been having a problem
0: uh, uh, with I, our spaceship. I see. <laughs> yeah, I, I,
1: we can see that. Yeah. Trying to figure out the best, uh, the best way to get us off this. uh this moon moonmen. We could live
0: on the moon.
2: I'm fine with yeah. that. I'm gonna try to get us out of here. <laughs> okay. We got we got to integrate this
0: into the meta narrative. The uh, game talk lore, if there is, is such a thing. But yeah, I I wanted to quickly go over the PS5 showcase as well because for me there were some things on there that really excited me. Uh, They started with showing off. uh, What did they start with? Uh, Miles Morales, right? Yes, and most excellent. Yeah, that game like Insomniac just is so good. Like Insomniac, I feel like is just, especially with Spider Man. Like I feel like that's the best match made in heaven ever like i don't want anyone touching spider-man after insomniac yeah they've kind um, of and you know the park yeah miles morales looks great i will Speaking take that, that back i need to
2: actually play spider-man you should it's a fantastic i game. own it i just but, haven't gotten around to playing it
0: i want to say miles morales was not the first thing shown uh final fantasy 16 was announced oh. as a ps5 exclusive uh, console exclusive, and I, I believe that's a timed exclusive. I think 16 will come to everything eventually, but, but yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty big deal. I don't know if I'll ever play it, but like, cause I've never really been a Final Fantasy guy. I played some of 15 and enjoyed it, but what I saw of the trailer, it looked cool, and I know this will be a huge deal for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm kind of sad cuz I probably won't play it if it's a PlayStation exclusive, but
0: I might have to buy whatever. A PS5. You you did mention Connor on the last episode that you were thinking about buying a digital edition PS5. I don't know if <coughs> No, but if, if, if I, I do, true, that'll be that'll a be a year uh, or so down the line.
1: Oh, that'll be considerably more than a year. That'll be end of gen, pick up a used one. That's what I did with the PlayStation, what I'll do with the or with the PS4. I don't know why I keep saying PlayStation. That's what I did with the PS4. That's what I'll do with the PS5 if I do it at all.
0: Well, if you do that, you'll have a huge selection of games most likely to uh, really good exclusive games to get through, so. Exactly. Um, But yeah, Final Fantasy 16 was announced. Really kind of a huge bombshell there. Followed by Miles Morales. Followed by the Harry Potter uh, Uh, Hogwarts what was it called? Hogwarts Legends or something like that a massive triple a harry potter hogwarts game now obviously you know we can let's just get this out of the way jk rowling kind of sucks right yeah Yeah, she sucks yeah but but i'm stoked for that game just due to how invested i am in the harry potter sort of world and that's this game seems to be like every kid's fantasy when reading harry potter or watching harry potter like actually attending hogwarts and uncovering the castle's mysteries and like learning spells and exploring the grounds and going into i think they like they show like hogsmeade and diagon alley and so like that is a huge deal to me and i'm very excited to play that yeah i always forget how much of a harry potter guy you are
1: because i'm i read them like but that's kind of the extent of me caring about
0: Connor read the theory yeah, I, I read them when I was in, like, I started reading them when I was in second grade, so obviously they had a huge, like, imprint on me growing up. So I I, I, I am really into Harry Potter, so I, I'm excited for this game. They It's not going to—it was at the PS5 show, right, but it's not going to be an exclusive. That, I believe this game's coming to everything. Oh, it is? So, <clears throat> yeah. I'll probably play it then. Yeah. Um, I—, I do you think, so, like, what do you make of this game, though? Like, do you think it's going to be kind of like a Destiny-type game, but Harry Potter? or, or it better what? not be. I'm tired of looter shooters. No, I, and it's not going to be a looter shooter, but, like, in it, I, I'm saying in the sense that, like... I mean, what what I
1: would wa- want it to be is a Skyrim, but Harry Potter.
0: Oh, my God, that'd be fantastic. Skyrim but I Magic. I don't know, I for some reason I just got sort of, like, multiplayer vibes from that game. Like, but I guess the other students could all be NPCs.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I figured it'd be.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited to get more details on that game. Um, but yeah, I think so. I think we got several more uh, smaller titles after that, right? We got like a Five Nights at Freddy's like entry, which I I know that's a big deal to some people. I personally don't know anything about Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, I don't know if that means anything to you guys. Nah, I don't. I, I was really shocked to see that because
1: who cares? <laughs> like I, yeah. that was really my first thought was like, do we do we really care about this? Like are
0: gamers itching for Five Nights at yeah, Freddy's? I don't know. It console? was it was really random. Uh, we, we also got another look at Resident Evil Eight Village, which looks really sick. Actually, I'm pretty excited for that game. Like, I, w- I was really kind of taken aback by, like, the... Did you see the trailer for that? They, they, like, cut to, like, an animated sort of Coraline-esque storytelling cutscene that, like, completely changed the art style of the game. Like, I thought that was a very interesting touch.
1: Nah, no, I, I missed that.
0: Yeah, like, like, it was, like, telling spooky... Like, a, s- a spooky story was, like, kind of being told, and it, like, cut to, like, really interesting, like, different animation style and, like... I don't know. I, th- I just thought it was very creative. But yeah, uh, Resident Evil has really sort of seen a resurgence, I think, since 7, right? 7 came out in Remake 2 and Remake 3, and now we're getting 8. So, Resident Evil, big deal. Excited for that. But I will say, the thing that probably excited me the most, except for the teaser at the end, which we'll get to, was Demon Souls. This yes, game, that looks game looks incredible. Incredible it absolutely demon souls demon souls i can't believe they're remaking that you know it's so funny right like this demon souls at the time was a niche game that pretty much no one played but you know obviously we understand its importance now because it led to dark souls but at the time like virtually no one played it like people had to like import it from japan uh when it first came out and now it's getting a full-blown triple a top to bottom remake and it's yeah, was a launch title for a play, for PlayStation 5. Like, what? What? Like, that's insane. Yeah, I was watching a video about Demon's Souls the other
1: day uh, talking about how, like, by the time it came out in the States, like, all the secrets had already been discovered right. by the people who imported it. Like, uh-oh. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Oh, we've been ejected from our uh, space pod, looks like. Yeah, that's we ran out of out fuel. Of we had to push. <laughs> this, oh, is, this is what the... This is an old
1: pro-strat and Kerbal space program. When you run out of fuel and didn't quite make it back to Earth, you get out
0: and you... uh You push. You push. Wish it were, were that simple in real life.
2: <clears throat> uh, no, that's what they do in NASA. They get out and push if they run out of <laughs> well, fuel. Well, I, I do
1: have a finite amount of fuel with which to push. So, this is not Let's like, hope that doesn't run out. Yeah, well, if it does... Let's see, how far are we up? I just have to get it below, I think, 80,000, and our uh, orbit will gradually degrade. The okay. problem is if we burn up on re-entry, which I don't... I could have sworn <laughs> I put a heat shield on this, but I am not seeing it now, so... Yeah. Great. <laughs> no, you did. I don't <clears throat> watch. see it now, right? Like, so I don't know.
2: It
0: might have just gotten decoupled. I definitely okay,
1: but, put it above the decoupler, but
0: anyway. Just to get back to the topic here, Demon Souls. So what they showed us was 4K 60 frames per second gameplay and my god did it look crispy. It looked so good. And I I think the uh, so what they showed us was essentially the tutorial to the tutorial area from what I've learned, right? And obviously the character they showed us was like massively overleveled because it was one-shotting everything. Yeah. But but just, you know, like it was dripping with in like with atmosphere, you know, and especially like the quick cuts they showed us after the character died, like this game is going to be stunning. Like especially for someone like me who has never played Demon Souls, who is in love with FromSoft games, I'm essentially getting a beautiful FromSoft game at launch for my new console, and that is a huge deal to me. Yeah. Um and you know what's funny is like Fromsoft, you know obviously they're the kings of you know souls like gameplay obviously but their games have never really been lookers as far as i'm concerned like they they look great right don't get me wrong the art style is fantastic but graphically like i feel like they could be better right like i think demon sit demon souls will probably end up looking better than elden ring which is kind of funny
1: yeah that is likely yeah um they do their yeah.
0: best <laughs> Yeah, they do their I mean, they don't for, as far as I'm concerned their art direction is so strong and you know, their games are so fun to play like I don't care what it looks like.
2: It, yeah, it is, I agree it's
0: fine. with that. <laughs> like but um but yeah, this this game though, like we get the Souls combat and the cutting edge visuals and and I hear, you know, obviously the gameplay is at 4K 60, but I think they're also going to have like a 4K 30 ray tracing mode on there for anyone who's interested in that. So, playing a Souls game at 30 frames per second? No, no. thanks. Yes. I mean, I I've done that more than I'd like. Obviously, playing on playing my Souls game on games on PlayStation, but but yeah, like 60 frames per second Souls game. My God, yes. Yeah, it's
1: it's just a vastly superior. I, I have done it as well because I didn't mod Dark Souls. I don't think my first playthrough. Yeah, but. Uh, which you had to mod the PC version of Dark Souls to get
2: 60 frames per second. God, I thought you had to mod the PC version of Dark Souls to get it running.
1: Yeah, yeah, they got better after the first round, but yeah, the first their first go at PC was atrocious.
0: But yeah, but just to sum up, like this is the launch game I am most excited for by far. Like. I I, I, ugh, I got a pre-order in for the PS5, and my launch games are going to be Miles Morales and Demon's Souls. And the second I get this console, I'm plugging in Demon's Demon Souls and just playing that all night. I'm very excited to experience this for the first time. And yeah, I was
1: uh, really shocked to hear that a PlayStation guy like you has not played Demon's Souls.
0: <laughs> I've come so close so many times, but I just never did it, and now I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, because
1: you, know, yeah, you do have a chance to play what is going to probably be the best version of the game.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah. it really lucked out there, I think. So, over the moon, excited for that. I think that, that hits most of the big things. They did show the new Call of Duty, which, you know, more than anything, I think it's interesting that it still shows that uh, Call of Duty is aligned with PlayStation. I would have think that like, they definitely, I feel like Microsoft has definitely approached them, tried to to get them over on their side again. Because, you know, obviously Call of Duty is the juggernaut, still. Like, that's the one thing in gaming that never changes. Yeah, that was, like, the first joke we were
1: making when we saw that they bought uh, Bethesda was, like, who's next, Activision?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for, for now, Call of Duty is still associated with PlayStation, which is which is a big deal. Personally, I don't really care too much for Call of Duty. I play the campaigns, which makes me a weirdo to many people. But for sure, it, it looked okay. I mean, it looked like Call of Duty. <laughs> Very actually, the, the set piece kind of looked Uncharted esque. I will say, with the, the 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 airplane and the little drone blowing up and the cars flying everywhere. But um, but yeah, it'll yeah. Be fine. I mean, they've been trying to get that for a while, right?
2: Like, yeah, they all it's they're always to be excited for pieces. Call of Duty's nowadays.
0: I mean, especially Honestly. like in general, like anything that that's released yearly, like, you know, like even Assassin's Creed was feeling that burn out there, and then they shifted to like uh, bi- yearly schedule. Yeah, which has done wonders for them. Yeah, for sure. Which you know, Valhalla is also coming to these consoles, both PS5 and Xbox Series X at launch. At 4K 60, which is exciting. It, it really is exciting that it seems like 4K 60 is actually going to be a standard. Because we we speculated before that like developers are still going to push for 30 and go for visual bells and whistles, but it doesn't look like that's happening. Which is yeah, at least not not sweet. at launch.
1: Yeah. Not at uh, all. Did you all see? I think it was Rainbow Six Siege announced that they're going to run at 120 frames per second on all next. Yeah, I saw that. That's wild. That's huge. Because 120 yeah. looks crisp. That's a good. I I'm actually I'm building this new PC and I'm really sad that my TV does not support uh, uh, higher than 4K 60. It uh, you have to go down to 1080p to get
0: 120 frames per second. Yeah, you need a. I believe you need an HDMI 2.1 compatible display. Yeah. That is
2: accurate. Uh,
0: For, you know, to to get 4K 120. And I'm so glad I invested in that LG OLED because that is, for uh, for all intents and purposes, I think it's next-gen proof, right? Like, I think it will support all these visual advancements going forward. So I think that was a good investment.
1: Um, yeah, I don't see myself upgrading anytime soon because this TV was kind of a big. Like, what would I even do with this one? It was a big purchase for me and my my family. I don't I don't know about you guys, but growing up, my family you bought a TV and you watched it until it didn't turn on anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I, I I think that's the case for like a lot of people. But I do think that like tech has just exploded to such a degree where like people. Buy new tech way sooner than they need to now, and m- myself included. You know, like I, I definitely include myself in that. Like I didn't need to buy this new TV, but I totally did, in anticipation Shit. of next gen. Yeah, I need that 4K 60, 4K 120 <laughs> actually. 4K 120
2: actually, 4K. I want uh, I just I'm content with uh 1080 uh 144.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like especially for gaming, frame rate is king there. So. Yeah, I do a lot of my gaming at
1: 1080p 144 right now because I just picked up a new monitor. And that's, I mean, that's what I'm playing this at right now. Although I think the space program locks at 60, but uh, Ah. that's fine. It is locked at 60. I I don't know if you guys noticed in the building menu, I was having some weird frame hiccups, but.
2: Yeah, um, I kind of noticed it. Yeah, that's
1: just the way it is.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to conclude this PlayStation talk with what they teased at the end, which was the sequel to God of War, which is one of my favorite games of all time. So personally, like I soiled myself when I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, just but but what surprises me the most actually is the release date. No way in the world it's coming out in 2021. I do not believe that for a second. If they hit that date. It would be massive. If they hit that date, that would mean that the PS5's launch window lineup, launch window being like the first year the console was out, is just absolutely ludicrous. That means we'd get God of War, Demon Souls, Ratchet & Clank, Horizon Forbidden West, Spider-Man Miles Morales, all within the first year or so of the console being out. And I don't see that happening. But I would love to be proven wrong. Yeah, here's hoping. And, uh, yeah, I feel like, yeah, like, I was over the moon after that PlayStation presentation, I thought it was fantastic, and got me really amped up to buy a PS5, more so than I have been, especially because of Demon's Souls. All of that being said, that sort of all got drowned out by the Bethesda news, because just, that's just how big of a deal that Bethesda purchase was.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's the biggest
0: news in gaming, yeah. Like, potentially ever. <laughs> like, it's so big. Like, it's mind-blowingly big. But it won't be, it, and it's not going to be the last. I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. We're going to see something else of this scale sooner rather than later, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, I'm really excited for it.
0: This yeah, I think gaming is heading into Uncharted territory, and I think uh, now uncharted. is the most exciting... Uh, Excited time! Uh, now is the most exciting time to be a fan of gaming, I think for sure. Like so many, you new say that are every
2: year, but I think this year it's more genuine than.
0: I mean, it maybe. always is
1: super exciting around um, a new, new console. console. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, it seems like all the players are making huge moves. You know, like Sony's got like a killer lineup of games, which you know, by the way, their 2020 output alone has been insane. In 2020, we got from Sony. Let's think here. We got The Last of Us Part Two, Ghost of Tsushima, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Neo Two, Persona 5 Royal, Iron Man VR, and we're getting Demon Souls and Spider Man Miles Morales. That's just in t- that's just this year, you know, which is just yeah. absurd. Uh, Microsoft is firing on all cylinders with Game Pass, the best value, the best deal in gaming, period. And now they've acquired Bethesda, a huge juggernaut that most people would uh not most people a huge chunk of people will swear themselves to microsoft now because of this bethesda purchase which you know is is game changing and then we've got nintendo with a revolutionary console on the switch with you know all rumors pointing to a 4k capable version of this console coming out early next year as well so i think wild it with, and, you know, like, 2021 has the potential, I think, to be the best year in gaming ever, you know, because we've got potentially a new Nintendo console, most likely the sequel to Breath of the Wild, in addition yeah. to all, all of the other Nintendo games coming out. We've got Halo Infinite from Microsoft. We've got potentially God of War Ragnarok from Sony, as well as Horizon Forbidden West, as well as Ratchet & Clank. Like, 2021 is going to be absolutely bonkers. Yeah. So, I think... If you're a fan of gaming in any capacity, this is a very exciting time. Yeah, it's a new new world. Yeah. New world. As you say that we return home.
1: Uh, no. Uh, we're going to be going to burn up passes. Oh, okay. We're, we're out of fuel. We don't we're, there's no engine left on this. This is just the pod that I was pushing. <laughs> and we're, uh, we're doing what's wait. called Aerobraking right now, which is uh, skimming across the atmosphere of a planet. Uh, uh,
0: uh, it looks... Heat- yeah, hopefully we don't get incinerated.
1: But. We, we already did one pass without overheating, so I'm confident uh, that we'll be fine, because I, I'm skimming fairly high. We're skimming at 50,000 meters, which in Kerbal Space Program is fairly safe. But basically, we just gotta get this apoapsis down lower and lower. We're slowing down with every pass because we're skimming the atmosphere. So, uh, you know... Probably, you know, probably by the end of the podcast we'll touch down, but <laughs> hopefully. Here's hoping. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I think we've gone through all the major things we wanted to talk about. We could talk about what we've been playing. If we, we're, if we're uh, I, I would like to
1: open what we've been playing with a massive gaming accomplishment that I made this week. Okay. Uh, this isn't the game. This isn't what I want to talk about because I've actually only played a little bit of it this week. But uh, I finally, after... Uh, I think over ten years because I think I started playing in middle school. I finally beat a round of spelunky.
2: All I did was beat Olmec.
1: Yeah, all I did was beat Olmec, which is like, in a lot for a lot of people that's not a very big gaming achievement. But like I've never done it. I've been playing that game a long time. I've never finished the temple, and I uh, finally did it. Olmec was a lot harder than I thought. I had seen video of him before, and I had thought like, oh, that doesn't look that bad. It was bad. It was hard.
0: <laughs> but, you know, in true gamer fashion, you got good and you did it.
1: Yeah, and I didn't even do a full run. I'm still working on that. I started in the temple using one of the shortcut tunnels. So really, this is not... I'm not a, I'm not a god gamer. But uh, <laughs> I, I had to do it before Splunky 2 came out. Anyway, somebody else can go next. I, I have another game that I actually want to do a, like, a review of, but Splunky needs no review. It's one of the greatest games of all time.
0: Um, I can go next, I guess. I've been, so I purchased the Mario 3D All-Stars collection, and I'll have more to say about it next week, because I haven't played it too much, but what I've been playing mostly this week is Persona 4 Golden, which, you know, I've talked about Persona 4 a lot on this podcast. I've, I think I named it in our top five, when we did our top five games of the decade, it was, like, in that list for me, in my top five. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, obviously love Persona 4 Golden, and I've, I've beaten it. I think two or three times already, and I'm playing it again, which is just crazy. Um, but I will say, like, if you're a fan of Persona, like, uh, like I, I know you are, Connor, a fan of Persona 5. Persona Yeah, 4 I, Golden, I absolutely
1: intend to play P4G. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like obviously, like a lot of the elements in P4G are refined immensely in Persona 5, so it might be kind of jarring going back. But I think the main draw for Persona 4 Golden is just how contrasted it is to Persona 5, right? Like, Persona 5 takes place in the lively, you know, nightlife city of, I think well, it's Tokyo? Some Japanese city, right? Yeah, you spend a lot of time in Shibuya, which is in Shibuya, Tokyo, yeah, I believe. Yeah. So, but Persona 4, you're just kind of like out in the suburbs, right? It's a very sleepy town, very small town. Yeah, and that's something that's going to be way more familiar to you and me growing yeah. up and, you know. And what's what's amazing is, what I love about Persona 4 and why, like, Persona 4, the first time through that game, that experience cannot be matched, right? Like, even if I play it again, it will not be as good as the first time I go through it simply because of the premise, right? So, like, the premise of Persona 4, and this isn't really spoilers, Connor, Connor it's just okay. the premise of the game, but, like, you move to the small town... That's really boring. Nothing actually happens. And then, you know, people start dying. Like, people start getting murdered. Obviously, there's, like, a serial killer on the loose, right? And it's a small town, so everyone knows everyone, right? So, like, as you play through the game, you make, you go to school, obviously you do your social stuff, you make your friends, and your friends are investigating the killings. Like, just the mystery of this game, you know, and how that finally gets resolved, and, like, the identity of the killer, all of that, like, is such a roller coaster the first time through that game, right? Because you don't know, and you're uncovering these things. And Persona 5 had something si- kind of similar, right? Like, with... And this is spoilers for the absolute beginning of Persona 5, right? Like, Because, like, yeah, the, you play it, start the start of the game, and, you're, and you're betrayed, right? Well, no, I was yeah. just going to say, you start the game, and then you're betrayed by someone, right? Oh, and yeah. then you flash all the way back to the beginning of, like, the timeline, and you slowly discover what all, all that's about, right? But yeah. I think I would argue Persona 4 does it much, much better. Because, like, the town is so small. You form all these connections with everyone, right? And I won't, obviously, I'm not going to spoil, like, who the killer is. But you always have it in the back of your mind. Like, one of these people I'm talking to could be the person behind all of these killings. Right? And that Ooh, sort like of tension, so, all, it, like, it, it is always there through the game. And really kind of made for such a unique experience. And... Yeah,
1: because yeah. Persona 5 doesn't really have that. Like, I know I'm going to get betrayed, but I'm really not spending the whole game sitting here thinking, like, is this the person that's going to betray me?
0: Right, like, but, you know, like, Persona 4, like, the danger feels so much more real in Persona 4, especially because, like, I don't know, like, us being from small towns, like, all of us here, like, I could relate so much to, like, the happenings in Persona 4, you know? There's only, like, a couple real hangout spots that you go to with your friends, you know, like, but, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you take you take pleasure in that like you like these these friendships you form and these locations you visit become etched into your memory because of how meaningful they are to you and like you get that experience through persona 4 and like i i love 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 persona 5 but it didn't do it to the extent that persona 4 did for me so i'm just reliving through all of that again And the fun thing is, after you beat Persona 4, and the same thing with Persona 5, right, you can restart like a sort of new game plus, right, where you have like all your stats that you did, like all your like intelligence and diligence and all that from the previous game. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. And that really sort of opens the floor to like, you can, since you don't have to spend time like improving those stats, you could spend more time on your confidants or social links, as they're called in Persona 4. So,
1: yeah, I've also heard that, um, Persona 5, at least, has a secret boss that uh, you're probably not going to beat round one. Like,
0: you're probably not
1: going to want to fight it until New Game Plus.
0: Persona 4 is the same. I will say that. And I will say another thing about Persona 4, like, strictly regarding the ending, and again, no spoilers, but, like, it's so much, I think, easier in Persona 4 to get, like, the bad ending than Persona 5, right? Because when the plot finally comes to a head... And I you're was somewhere like, there was a
1: bad ending in either of them. I didn't know Persona did multiple endings.
0: Oh, uh, I hope that doesn't spoil anything for you, just knowing that. But like, No, I think I'm fairly close to the ending, but I... But no, no, so like, can't. the game will clearly tell you... Yeah, like, you, the game will clearly tell you anything you do from this point on will affect the ending of the game. Like, it tells oh, you really? real- four and five, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, like, Persona... That's actually kind of been a Persona staple. Like, as you get into the end game, like... The ending can differ based off of what you do. So I would highly recommend making a save there cuz like if you get quote unquote the bad ending, that could lock away like like potentially like a dozen hours of gameplay, like straight up. Wow. Uh so yeah. I love Persona for Golden. Uh and I'm I'm going through it again. That's what I've been playing. So heads
1: up, we are uh we we are done running laps around the planet. <laughs> Oh this is this is it we're gonna land it's gonna take a while so don't stop
2: podcasting but <laughs> <Okay. well.
0: laughs> mike what have you been playing um i haven't really played
2: anything new i've just been playing more warframe again the classic i, I keep diving back into it i i guess i got back into hard space shipbreaker which is actually I, i've been doing. meaning to play that we'll probably play it for podcast at some point
0: yeah, I, sort of, I, I, I like this this sort of dual like video-audio thing we've got going on. I just hope it's not too much trouble finding a new game each week. Uh, the hardest part for me is playing a game and talking at the same time. Yeah, it's I, harder I than you think.
1: Yeah. Purple Space Program took more out of me to play and talk than I expected it to. But uh, we're at a pretty chill part now, ironically, uh, yeah. given the heat. Uh, I'll go if you
2: don't have anything, Mike. Yeah, I really don't have much to go off of anymore it's, it's been a weird time of year this is actually a
1: game i started a very long time ago and uh just now got around to finishing and uh it's called the messenger have you all heard of it oh yeah uh, yeah i,
0: I played a good chunk of this game it's great
1: so uh, yeah the messenger starts out as like this very ninja gaiden like uh platformer yeah. And uh, you're playing it and it's got the, these great 8-bit visuals and this amazing music. And it's some of the better boss fights of any 2D game like that in that format I've played. Like These boss fights are just thrilling to play. And uh, I really, on just the merit of what is essentially the first half of the game, uh, fighting through these 8-bit boss fights and everything, because it, it kind of changes at the halfway point, And I'm going to yeah. give a spoiler warning right now, although it's not... <laughs> really a spoiler it's kind of spoiled in the uh
0: no, in the I th- product page I, I feel like it should be talked about because i think that's like one of the big appeals of the game yeah about halfway through the game you're fighting what
1: feels like the final boss and it has all the gravitas of a final boss in my opinion but you beat it and suddenly the game it doesn't end like it throws you into a future in which suddenly everything is 16-bit uh the art style is completely different yeah. And uh, you, you play a few more levels that are very similar to what you've been doing, ending in a boss fight and everything, the the Ninja Gaiden style. But then uh, suddenly you have a hub world, and the whole game opens up, and suddenly it's a—I'm hesitant to call it a Metroidvania because you don't really get upgrades after this point. You've kind of earned them all already. But going through this world that you've already like explored and experienced in a pretty meaningful way— But you may have noticed on your way that, like, hey, this seems pretty backtrack-friendly, and there's a reason for that. That's because you go back and you play through a lot of these areas again with these new mechanics where you're switching between 8-bit and 16-bit, and uh, solving puzzles and doing challenges, and uh, it's super fun. Like, everything about it was incredible, in my opinion, and... uh,
0: I picked yeah. up the messenger on on Switch a while back, and I really enjoyed it. But it just became one of those games where, like, I had other things going on, so I left it. But I always meant to go back to it. I always thought the gimmick of switching between eight bit and sixteen bit w- was so cool, and like, I, kind of a novel approach. Like, I, I don't think many games have, have done something like that before. I actually hundred percented it. I uh, oh nice. I-
1: yeah, I, I did not enjoy the DLC very much, so I kind of dropped off. I just kind of decided like, hey, you know, I got enough out of this game. And the humor is yeah, pretty
0: good too, right? If I remember right, the what? Humor? It's kind of funny, yes. right?
1: it's in yeah. it. Yeah, the humor is extremely good in my opinion. I, and I am not one to typically enjoy video game humor, but like this is like right up there. It's not the same style, but I want to compare it to like the Mario and Luigi games, like in quality. Like, yeah. you know, you're not going to bust a gut, but you're going to, like, chuckle and just be having a good time. Like, all the characters are fun. The story is kind of interesting, albeit it's really just a bunch of time travel tropes. But, I don't, you know, it's all very fun. Sorry, I yeah. had to hold my breath for a second to see if the parachute would snap. We're good, though. We're going to land. We're, we're going
0: we to land. It. We're going to, we, yeah, after, but, m- yeah, after uh, much trials and tribulations. The
1: Messenger was given away free on Epic Games, so if you have that, then you probably have it. And also, it's on Game Pass. Uh, So, you know, a lot of people should play this game. It's very fun. It it is hard, I would say. You know, a lot of the boss fights took me quite a few tries, and I consider myself somebody who's pretty good at platformers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, bearing in mind that it took me 10 years to beat Spelunky.
0: (laughs) I will say, like, Yeah, like, obviously, if it's on Game Pass or Epic Games Store for free, that's the place to get it. I will say I really enjoyed it on Switch, though, because it sort of felt right at home, like, in that handheld format.
1: I get that. But it it felt amazing playing it on my PC, uh, you know, on the big screen. Yeah. Definitely have a controller with a D-pad, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, high marks to the messenger.
0: And that was a Devolver game, right? uh yeah pretty sure yeah yeah devolver's been firing on all cylinders lately yeah we're big fans of devolver here on the podcast i think they made a joke uh recently that like devolver has decided to purchase like forget what they said some studio poking fun at microsoft and bethesda but yeah all right guys i think that's going to do it for us this week we have Talked about the big news. We've touched back down on Earth after hitting the Almost moon. Almost timing. <laughs> oh, I know what I want to totally yeah. talk
2: about. I want to talk about Endless Space Two some more. Okay. Okay. Go okay. It, so, I, God, that game frustrates me. Oh, really? It frustrates me in a good way, because sometimes the AI can just be straight devious. Like I'll be minding my business, building up my fleets. The AI will make peace and then ally with me, and then like. 20 minutes later they'll be stabbing me in the back
0: yeah i experienced like remember a few episodes back i i gave endless space to a shot and i had something very similar happen to me you gave a bunch of space games a shot didn't you pick up that episode too (laughs) yeah i did i did yeah
2: like i like when an ai will just completely ruin me for trusting them for five seconds
0: yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. But I I I, just, I I had that happen to me too in my endless space 2 run through. I wasn't sure if it was something I did or if it's like common. No, it was, like it the, common. was it the
2: amphibian people? It
0: was the. It was like the. They were like the clearly evil civilization. They were like very war based. I forget what they were, but they were like evil looking. I or think the that's an
2: empire.
0: No, no, no. Were they bird. They, were, people? they. I don't think they were bird people. But they were e- alien looking and evil.
2: Uh, the Cravers.
0: Yeah, I think that's it, Cravers.
2: Yeah, yeah, the Cravers yeah. no, are just going to declare war on you. They're, no, I'm talking about the Lumaris, who are <clears throat> led by this uh, very buxom amphibian woman, who <laughs> okay. I hate. Like one second she'll be like, "Oh, you're my best friend," and then the next second it's like, "Oh yeah, I see some, I see a problem here," and then we'll declare war on you. It's kind of wacky.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, like, for these strategy, Grand Strategy 4X games, like, surprise betrayals are a part of it, but if it happens too often, it can get really annoying.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't mind the surprise betrayals, because eventually I just dunked on. I was already in a war with, like, the Cravers at the time, and I'm like, ah, oh, I just gotta wrap this up real quick, then. To go focus on stupid uh, stupid amphibian woman.
0: Yeah. But I have no idea what
2: you guys are talking about. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Overall, like, do you still... No, I like, still love
2: the game. Yeah, okay. It's the, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone because it's very, like,
0: convoluted. I do want to get back into it, by the way. Like, all these, like, 4X games, these strange strategy games, especially if they involve space, interest me greatly.
2: I'm also going to get into AI War 2, which is a game that's
0: that apparently
2: meant to punish you. <laughs> like, according to the lead dev... Beating it on ten, unless you use an exploit, is going to get balance patched. Mm. Ten being the highest difficulty. So I looked at Steam achievements. The amount of people that have beat it on ten is point like two percent. Jeez. <laughs> Seven is what the lead dev plays it on. To and seven's the most balanced. Ten is oh, oh hey this man beat it without massive amounts of cheese. All right, we're going to patch that out. That's a bug. <laughs>
0: So it's literally meant to be unbeatable.
2: Yeah. You start with one system and the AI controls the rest. You have to fight the AI and win. But you can't, like, play it like a traditional 4X because then the AI will throw massive fleets at you because they control the entire galaxy and they can do that. So you have to play like a rat and just try not to anger the AI that's coming for your soul. And honestly, it sounds good enough to interest me. Because I like pain. (laughs) (laughs) As as my throat fills up with mucus, this is great. (laughs) But I I like games that offer me a challenge, but also offer me the ability to cheese said challenge. Because there's nothing more fun than cheesing a challenge.
1: Yeah, really. I'm not a big fan of cheese in games. I oh, I feel weird when I do it.
0: There there is an appeal to it, right? Like I don't want to normally play that way, but like finding ways to do it, 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 it I I can see the appeal. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think this is a good stopping point. <laughs> Our Kerbal guy seems kind of tired. He's he's chilling he's, on the on the, yeah, the ground. But yeah, thank gym, you guys gym. for listening. You can follow us at the Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use, as well as YouTube. Please like us and comment us on YouTube. Um, you can click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord. And I think that'll do it. Thank you, Connor and Mike.
1: Yep. See you guys next week. Yeah, see you later. See you next week. Bye.